thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they'd lived there for about 10 years, both Marlon and Kilion also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she'd been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. And they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried." May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. God will bless the reading of his word to us this morning as we've read that story of Ruth. And uh, today I want to start by saying, who feels empty? 
You don't have to put your hands up. You can do if you want to, though, Tamar, that's fine. Okay, so some of us might feel empty. You know, I wonder how many people would actually put their hands up. And I brought a little bit of a visual aid with me this morning because there's nothing more disappointing. There's nothing more disappointing after Christmas than finding that you think, oh, chocolate, and you open it and it's some rubbish biscuits inside. But even worse than that, you get the tin of chocolates and it's just wrappers. Anyone? I don't mean M&M. Okay, you get the tin of chocolates and you open it thinking, oh, I've got a cup of coffee. I'd love a caramel barrel just now. And then you open it and somebody, Naomi, has replaced, <laughs> has replaced the chocolates with some German-type biscuits, which I don't like. So I felt a bit empty this weekend when I sat down for my little treat. And then uh, I realised Chloe had brought a bar of chocolate the day before, so I nicked that. So that was okay. <laughs> But it's disappointing, isn't it? Emptiness. Or when you open it and it's all that's left is the bounties. I mean, who eats bounties? I mean, Peter Docker does, I think. Yeah, yeah. But this flipping out, it's your fault they're all in there. That's rubbish. Nobody wants a bounty. Oh, no, you do. Well, do you know what? Go and buy a bar. Stop putting it in with everybody else's favourites. Anyway, but over the last few weeks... Um, or even over the last few months, you might have experienced some emptiness. I've experienced some emptiness over the last few weeks. I've been empty of energy. I've never slept so much in my life. Obviously, I had the obligatory bottles of Lucozade that you need to recover from any illness. And uh, I was then surrounded by empty bottles of Lucozade, which was also disappointing. I was empty of motivation. And there were other feelings of emptiness that were impacting on me and my feelings and I want to start off in the book of Ruth by saying this book of Ruth is a story that goes from empty to full. And actually that echoes the whole Bible. It's a story that goes from empty to full. In the beginning there was nothing but God and he filled it with his creation. The book of Ruth is a story of emptiness that is transformed into being full. If we look at the very beginning of the chapter, it says in the days when the judges ruled. And if you look at the side notes on that, it wasn't a good time. They were doing things against God. They weren't good judges. And so as a result, it says Bethlehem was in famine. And there was a famine in Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem literally means a house of bread. So the house of bread was empty. The house of bread hadn't got bread to feed people. There was nothing there to sustain them. The cupboards were bare. And many of us sitting in this room today or watching on the telly or wherever you are, many of us today have absolutely no idea what it feels like to have nothing to eat. We cannot even imagine going to our cupboards or our fridge or our freezer and finding there is nothing there to feed our family. We can't. And yet actually, maybe you've even said after breakfast and dinner in a day before, or you know, let's have a show of hands. Who's ever said in a day when they've already eaten at least one meal, I'm starving? Okay, don't think you are. I really don't think you are. We went out to Blessed Hill, Uganda when the children were younger and I remember Barbara and Derek had given us some money to, to buy a treat for the children and their treat was some meat with the rice. How many of us are going home today to have a Sunday roast? You know, there is real emptiness in people's lives. When you say you're starving, you're not starving. You just mean I fancy something else to eat. I just want a little bit more. And in our town of Barrow... There are homes where there are people who this morning have empty cupboards. 
And there are homes whose children have got empty stomachs. And there are families whose lives are empty. And that's where the story of Ruth starts, with an emptiness. An emptiness. And they go in search for fullness. But you know what? Those families with empty cupboards, empty stomachs, and empty lives, God says, I want to fill them. He said, Jesus said, I I have come to bring life to the full. Jesus can take us from empty to full. He can take us from empty to full. You know, what about that feeling of relief when you're driving your car and it's ticking over to like the last? Anyone play this sort of the risk game of not filling your car up until it's absolutely possible? And I do. Yeah, we once went to Germany and we were travelling from, I think it was from Freiburg to Munich and we had to go through the Black Forest and uh, I was in my car and actually the, the petrol tank gauge was going further and further and down, it was night, we didn't have the phones that you have nowadays where you could find a garage and we were just praying to find some light somewhere so that we wouldn't break down and actually we found somewhere. So it's not good to be running on empty but God wants to fill us today with good things. Do you believe that? Yeah? So stop feeling so empty and turn to him. Not that immediately he can perhaps take away that empty cupboard, but actually God can bring us a fullness in life if we allow him to. Naomi and her husband and two boys leave and they go to a foreign land. They become asylum seekers. They become refugees. They become foreigners, outsiders. And they go to a place where God of Israel is not worshipped. Verse 5 says this, both Marlon and Kilian also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Disaster strikes. Have you had any disasters recently? No? No? Maybe sometimes you class as a disaster burning the dinner. Maybe that's a disaster. Maybe that's a first world problem. Maybe, you know, when we had the power cut before Christmas, it was a disaster. We had no phone signal at the house. So Warren went and scooped snow for a while because he couldn't use the internet. What a disaster. What a disaster. He had to do some work. You know? But at least when Naomi left Bethlehem, she had family. At least when she left Bethlehem, where she was feeling empty, she still had her husband and two sons. She still had company. And here we find, as they go to Moab after several years, she's left with just Ruth and a daughter-in-law called Orpah that she can't provide for. Do you know, not only was she empty, but she was in a culture where widows were not provided for very well. She was in a place where women were thought nothing of. And so actually, she was panicking. She was worried. She was fearful. And so she goes from empty to even more empty. It's just when you think you can't get empty enough, something happens that can make you feel so empty. Do you know, we've been reading a book, um, myself and Roz, which is called Don't Look Back. And it's written by Christine Kane. And it's a focus really on Lot's wife. And it's interesting that Lot's wife looked back and that was the problem. She shouldn't have looked back and she was looking back at that place of Sodom and Gomorrah, the place that God had said, it's displeased me. And actually you think of it and if I said to you today, what was it about Sodom and Gomorrah that displeased God? 
those of you who've read your Bibles will probably come out with all the different sexual immorality that was going on, all the different terrible things that were happening, the violence. But actually, if you look in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49, it says this. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. That was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. They had no compassion. They didn't provide. They didn't try and help the widow and the orphan. James, the book of James says that true religion is looking after the widow and the orphan to care for people. And a vision as a church is people, people, people. So how is our heart's attitude today towards people who are living on empty? Towards people who are living with nothing? Towards people who have nothing in their community and nobody to care for them? Naomi's concern in this passage is that she's returning home and she will not be able to provide for herself, let alone two other daughters-in-law, who if they stayed in their own country, they could still remarry, they could still have children, they could still have the opportunity of wealth. So what happens next? Ruth chapter 1, verses 12 to 15 says, Return home, my daughters. And she tells them to go back. She says, go back, go back. And she says, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her and look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. Naomi is living on empty and what happens is she turns to discouragement and blame. She turns to say, it's, it, don't come with me. God, God has afflicted me. It's God's fault that this is happening. Just don't stay with me because you're just going to be miserable. Go back to where you've come from. Go back to your own people. Go back to your own gods. And so Naomi, the woman of God, actually discourages Ruth and Orpah from following the God who can bring them to fullness. How sad. How sad is that? You know, one of my favorite people in my early years of life was a man called John Cardwell. I've talked about him before, but I will always talk about him because when I was younger, he was so encouraging. He would take us playing football on Asda Car Park on a Friday night before it was all 24 hours and you could do that sort of thing. He ran youth clubs, he ran youth conferences. He would give us sweets out of the back of his car. It wasn't weird, honest. Nowadays, there'd probably be some investigation. He worked for a sweet manufacturers. He was a rep for, I think it was um, Matlow's, I think it was. So drumsticks, that's where my obsession with drumstick lollies has come from. But he would take us on weekends away. And you know, the other thing he used to do, he used to give opportunities to the young lads and the young girls to share their testimony, to share from the Bible, to speak, to sing, to do worship. And he encouraged and encouraged and encouraged. And he was never without a smile. In fact, even in recent years, as his wife was very ill, he was never without a smile. The thing that made me cry the most at my grandma's funeral I was sad that my grandma had died, but I was asked to go and sing with my brother and I stood at the front singing and I caught his eye at the back as he sat on the back row just beaming at me and I just couldn't sing because that man had built me up, had encouraged me so much. He was just a real builder up of people, whether it was through his words, whether it was through his actions, his smile would spur you on to keep following Jesus if nothing else. And actually, I see someone like him and the memory of John lives on in not just me, his legacy lives on in so many young men and women now who are the same age as me and older because of actually the way he built them up.
because of the way he encouraged and the way he strengthened them. And the Bible tells us constantly to encourage, to build up, to cheer on, to celebrate, to rejoice together. And yet often we find it easier to discourage or to tear down. You know, as I've been ill, one of the things that has really encouraged me is people taking the time to message or to call, and some of them regularly checking in on how I'm doing. Even Riggy, who will be watching this morning from Canada, has messaged me regularly to ask how I'm doing, because that's encouraging. So I want to thank those people who've done that, and for those who've taken the time to message after a Sunday morning in the past and, and encourage and say, do you know what, I really appreciated that this morning. And actually those things help me to stand up here every Sunday morning. Because people will encourage and build up. You know, in this passage of the story, Naomi is hurting. So what does she do when she's hurting? She discourages the girls from going with her. Not only that, she blames God for her situation. Maybe sometimes we might blame God for our emptiness. Maybe you're like, God, why is this happening to me? But you know what? We've sung this morning, God is above all. He is sovereign. His ways are higher. And as we prayed as a worship group this morning, I was reminded of that old song that said, um, when the enemy presses in hard, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. And actually, one of the things that's interesting is in that, in that theme of the battle belongs to the Lord, the Bible says when we're in a battle, we just stand. We're not to fight. We're to stand. What are we standing on? We stand on the truth of Jesus. We stand on the rock that is Jesus. We stand on the God that is the mountain mover. We stand on the God who is faithful, who endures and love endures forever. And actually in the Old Testament, at one point they're told to consecrate themselves and to see what God will do. Not to consecrate yourself and go and fight. To consecrate yourself, to make yourself right with God, to make yourself holy and then see what God's going to do to see the amazing things that God is going to do both in your life and through others. Maybe sometimes we blame God for our emptiness or for our difficulties. Maybe we actually see a lot of our circumstances and blame God, but actually a lot of our circumstances, even the worldwide circumstances, can simply be because of our actions or the actions of others. So Orpah goes back. She goes back to her own God. Interestingly, that Naomi discourages her and says, go back to your own gods. Well, the Moab god was Chemosh. Chemosh also involved human sacrifice. Naomi has discouraged somebody from going after God and said, go back to your own gods. How sad. Because she's feeling empty. Because she's feeling bitter. She actively sends her daughter-in-law back to a place where there is no God and there is no hope. This morning... As a church, we believe that we have a hope. Yeah? I think. Not just me. We have a hope that he's God, that he's Jesus, because he's alive. Jesus didn't stay dead. He didn't remain in a grave. He rose again. And he sits at God's right hand this morning, interceding for every single one of us, praying for each one of us, and cheering us on and saying, look at that, look at that Johnny Harrison. He might be an idiot sometimes, but do you know what? He loves me. Jesus himself is cheering us on. But Ruth, the foreigner, the outcast, the refugee, the asylum seeker even, regularly in this passage is called Ruth the Moabitess. Not just Ruth. She's not just named as her name. She's called Ruth the foreigner. Ruth the outsider. Ruth the one that doesn't belong. She's called those things. 
And actually, it was to emphasize that she was an outsider. Her response is as follows in verses 16 to 17. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Why does Ruth do that? Because even though Naomi is on empty, even though Naomi has lost everything, even though Naomi is quite adamant that they shouldn't come with her, Ruth has seen something in Naomi. What she's seen, it could only possibly be the God of Israel. It can only possibly be that element that is in her life that is God. We've got to show even the smallest glimpse of God. Ruth wanted to commit. She wants to stay. She wants to journey. Where does she want to go? Towards the God of Israel. Towards the one who moves the mountains. Towards the one who is above all. Despite the situation, God was still visible. Ruth even calls him the Lord, which is, is the name of God. So Ruth recognises God as God. She doesn't want to any longer be on the outside looking in. She doesn't want to be a foreigner. She doesn't want to be an outsider. She wants to belong. You know, I don't know what your attitudes are today to people who are outsiders, to people who perhaps aren't from your neck of the woods. But you know what? God loves them. And we're called to love not even just our friends. We're called to love our enemies. And actually this morning... With God, there are no outsiders if they come to him. God welcomes all. Everybody can belong. Ruth was an enemy of Israel, not just an outsider, yet she was welcomed in and saw glimpses of God even in emptiness. This morning, are we seeing glimpses of God even in difficult situations? Are we fighting against him? Are we fighting against each other? Or are we saying, I'm willing to consecrate myself? Ruth makes this speech, your God will be my God. I believe when you read what Ruth has said, she's consecrating herself. And she's consecrating herself because when we make ourselves right with God, then tomorrow all we need to do is stand. All we need to do is stand with him, to stand on him, to stand beside him, and know that he will do amazing things. Having made the commitment, she travels back to Bethlehem and we're coming towards the end with Naomi. And Naomi says this to her, or Naomi says this to the people. Everyone says, is this Naomi? She must have been an amazing woman before she left. And Naomi says this, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. We've got a couple of Naomi's in this morning. You know what your name means? You know what your name means, Naomi? What, what, go on, shout. I know you don't want to shout it out. (laughs) What does it mean? Pleasant. There you go. So Naomi says, stop calling me pleasant. I'm bitter. You know, can you imagine doing that? If you come home and want, oh, hello, darling, stop calling me darling, I'm ugly or horrible, you know, stop calling me pleasant, I'm bitter, I'm twisted, I'm angry, you know, don't call me by that nice name, she says, I'm not pleasant anymore, I'm bitter, and it's all God's fault, that's what she says, that's what she says to these people as she returns home to the house of bread, maybe you've agreed to something, or committed to something, and suddenly something's changed, 
Jacob, in the Bible, married a girl, and it turned out to be the girl's sister that he wanted and had to serve another few years to get the one he wanted. The disciples followed Jesus, thinking he was going to lead them to victory, and all ended up martyred because of what they believed in. When we commit to God, we're not committing to an easy ride, but we are committing to a life that is full for all eternity. We're committing. Ruth makes this commitment to Naomi, and maybe you're not sure today whether you should go all in with Jesus. Maybe you're not sure whether you should say, yep, I'm on board, because you're still uncertain of the difficulties you might face. Believe me, it's better to face them with Jesus. It's better to face them with the fullness of Christ than without him. Don't go on empty. Maybe Ruth hears Naomi say, I'm not pleasant, I'm bitter, and it's all God's fault. Having said, your God will be my God, and I'll go where you go. Maybe Ruth suddenly goes, um, can I change my mind? <laughs> I wasn't so sure. I didn't sign up to be with the bitter one. I signed up to be with the pleasant one. So maybe we've changed our minds. The chapter finishes with a glimpse of what God is all about. God is all about provision and hope. God is all about making a way where there seems to be no way. God is all about bringing peace and love. Ruth chapter 1 verse 22, the very last verse, you might have missed it because it's a real throwaway comment. It says this, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, again, Ruth the foreigner, Ruth the outsider, Ruth the one who nobody wants, Ruth the enemy, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Having started with emptiness, it got worse and more empty and led to bitterness. The chapter ends with the barley harvest was beginning. There's hope. There's hope. Because actually, the house of bread will not be empty much longer. Bread is coming. Help is on its way. Hope is here Love is here. You know, the Bible tells us that we start off life empty, disconnected from God. If you've done the Freedom in Christ course, it says we're physically alive but spiritually dead, spiritually disconnected. And the only way we can be reconnected spiritually to God is through Jesus. The only way we can be reconnected to God is through Jesus. That's how it starts. But hope is here. Jesus came that we might have life to the full. You know, as a church, we've seen God's provision. Those of you who've been on our journey as we've come for the last 20 odd years, 30 years, however long, have seen God's provision. And actually, the exciting thing as we go into this new year is we're going to continue developing the building as God has continued to provide. We've agreed to carry on now developing the annex downstairs. So that will become another space we can use, better for the prayer team, for example, better for another Sunday school group. And actually, God has provided the money to do that. That's good, isn't it? It's exciting. But also, alongside that, we have a vision for more staff to work with children and to work with the housing. And actually, there's an element of provision that will help us to do that as well. That's exciting. Because it's all part of the vision that we've had as a church. There will be times, though, where we might feel empty again. There will be times when we feel like outsiders. There will be times when we are discouraged, even by those that are God's people. And there will be times when we feel like just giving up. But hope is on the horizon. 
the barley harvest is beginning. The house of bread will be empty no more. Do you know, there's a line of a famous hymn that talks of Jesus being emptied. It's and can it be, and it says this, he emptied himself of all but love. When Jesus died, he emptied himself. He came to live on this earth and emptied himself of the majesty and the glory that he had, but he still had love. That passage in Corinthians that talks about love says that faith and hope and love will always remain. Faith, hope, and love will always remain, but the greatest of these is love. As Christians, we're called to build up, not tear down. We're called to love one another. We're called to love our enemies. As we start this series, and as I finish today, may we know that God wants to take you and me from empty to full. May we know the God who wants to take us from hopeless to hopeful. The God who will provide what we need. Ruth, the outsider, the foreigner, the Moabites, the one who pledges to follow Naomi no matter what, is named in Jesus' family tree. She becomes part of the bigger story. Why? Because she loved, because she committed, because she was faithful, and because she made promises that weren't empty. The outsider, the foreigner, the refugee, the downtrodden, the poor and the needy chose to commit her life and her future to God and God's people. Will we? Will we? Whether you're empty this morning, whether you're full, will we commit to saying, I consecrate myself today, I make myself right with God today so that tomorrow I can stand not fight, but stand on the promises of Jesus. Let's pray. <coughs> Sorry. I'm just going to invite the band up. They can start to get ready to, to lead us into communion. But while our heads are bowed, maybe this morning something that I've said has resonated with you maybe this morning there's things that you know in your heart that God is touching on and that God is wanting us to deal with we have a prayer team that will be at the back this morning if you want prayer then go there's no shame there's a strength in it prayer is about saying I can't do this but God can so if you've never been for prayer go if actually this morning you just feel empty, or if this morning you feel discouraged, if this morning you feel like you've not been an encourager, if this morning you feel like you've not built up, if this morning you feel like you've not been built up, then go and say, God, I need you to fill me. Maybe you've never said I'm all in with God. Maybe you're an outsider. Be like Ruth and say, your God is my God. Where you go, I'll go. This morning, don't be apathetic, don't be passive. We've got to make a decision to say, do I follow Jesus or do I go back? This morning, choose to stand with him. Choose to go from empty to full. Father God, I pray this morning that your word will remain. 
I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will continue to speak, continue to convict. And I pray, Lord, this morning that we will be open to hear, that we will hear with not just our ears, not just with our minds, but with our hearts. Father God, this morning you are the healer, you are the restorer, you are the God of peace, of joy and love. And I pray this morning that you will bring all of those things to us individually and to us as church. In your name.